Today is May 23rd, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestokom Aki, or Dekots, Nagotine, Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. Blackfoot south in the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bugani of the Confederacy. These lands are here Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and honoring your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all folks to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations' names, if you won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around for my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who choose to call themselves native Calgarians show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin. So it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights, Indigenous Two-Spirit or Indigenous Two-LGBTQ plus community, an Indigenous community are at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions, just to vote on incomplete policies that still allows incarcerations and denial of justice, denial of healthcare services, racism, colonial trauma and genocide of indigenous and black peoples, I have work to continue. Reports to advocate for. An attempt to continue working in these systems meant to harm me and my community. 
I can't say I had um, to have a great long weekend on Victoria Day when I know my community is dying from the current drug policies of, and systems of imposed Christian-based drug policies, abstinence programming, private health care, and justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs, including and continuing genocide on Indigenous people. Today is day 35 of five-year-old Frank Young of Red Earth Cree Nation in so-called Saskatchewan being missing with no Amber Alert. I think of them today and many more, and I hope we honour their lives. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm and as a citizen see your role in reconciliation too. I honor the Blackfoot and the the Blackfoot as the elders taught me how to say my name in Blackfoot and have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share my journey as I walk the red road. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide, and I've given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years, and so have many others. So at this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues and to try to continue to tone police women of color. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps on whatever medium you're listening from. And I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today is Victoria Day. And, you know, my favorite movie of one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, The Pirates uh, Band of Misfits. It's a 2012 me uh, movie. It's uh, that stop motion animated. And it's stupid comedy <laughs> about you know, swashbuckling and, and Britain and uh, where Queen Vicky, I think, is properly depicted. So in Canada, we don't give her the credit she really deserves as the colonizer. I suspect it's because of patriarchy trying to undermine her accomplishments as a colonizer and hold John A. Macdonald up in a higher status, but I could be wrong. She was an enthusiastic imperialist and really tried to emphasize her personal role as the mother of the British Empire, which of course included the Dominion of Canada. You know, she was the queen to which Treaty 7 was signed with. The year after Treaty 7 was signed, her daughter, Louise Alberta, uh, was, a, was a consort from 1878 to 1883. So this is important. Again, if you, you know, do the land acknowledgement teaching I give you. I give you dates like this on purpose, you know, because Alberta wasn't even a province until 1905. And of course, that was the middle name of this bitch. So, and her husband is the Mar Marquis of Lorne. And we actually have a road here in Calgary named after this guy. And he became a governor general, uh, ironically. Anyway, uh, the Marquis of, 
of Lorne is a significant person because he went across the prairies before the railway was built and kind of to make sure that it all got done. He also had like sketches of the Blackfoot, which the UFC have in their archives for folks to see if you want to go Google that. You know, many of you know I was a former drafter, uh, so explorers and map makers and administrators were assigned the name Victoria to a multitude of, of geographical features all over the Canadian map. So as the Canadian Encyclopedia suggests, perhaps no individual has been more honored in this way in Canada. So happy birthday to the fucking Royals in so-called Canada on this day. You never honored the treaties, but Indigenous went to world wars in your honor to protect those treaties that you never did. And to Canadians, again, this is a role that you should really see yourself as taking up. So I wanted to talk and, and preference this with um, the Queen and the royalty and the monarch, because again, it's this is like civics 101. I don't know why Canadians are so fucking like ignorant on these issues. Um, so my my grandfather, my white grandfather on my father's side, he was in the military. And um, so my my father's mother, his her father was in the military as well. And he even won a Purple Heart in World War II. Um, so being a part of a, a military background really mattered. Uh, my dad absolutely hated armories as a result of his family's involvement in the military and um, you know really rebelled against that and then ironically when I was growing up in Sylvan Lake there was a, a bus from Penhold that left Penhold and went to Innisfail and Sylvan Lake to the Red Deer Armory and that was the bus I took to be a sea cadet and this was in the early 90s so in the early 90s um, this was before they instituted human rights <laughs> And again, you know, I grew up in Sylvan Lake. Uh, domestic violence was really rampant, and uh, I've seen it in many, like many, many things. Um, the uh, owner of the bowling alley was murdered by her husband, and there was no real justice for that. You know, it was just commonplace for kids to show up uh, black and blue, and uh, you know that just meant well, they obviously come from good parents, keeping those goddamn kids in line. And you all laugh, but at the end of the day, section. 43 still allows not just parents, but teachers to beat the shit out of their kids and um, treat them poorly. So the idea of human rights in sea cadets, like to me in 1992 was quite laughable even, because I'm like, well, what the, what the heck? So anyway, 1992 is when I took gunnery. And because of that, I learned a lot about drill. I learned a lot about um, military protocol. And that's why to this day, if you watch me, I will still address uh, the mayor as her worship and, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau as, as a right honorable prime minister. And I'll do it once and then they usually get embarrassed and tell me never to do it again. But I can't help it. It's just ingrained in me. At that time, we were really taught to, um, you know, address folks in their title and for civilians to call them all madam or sir. And of course, that's totally transphobic today and really hard for me to undo, that's for sure. So anyway, I learned a lot about protocols of drill because that was literally six weeks of training I did in 1992. 
And ironically, one of my drill instructors is actually a police cop today uh, for the Calgary police. So ironically, I might be 45 years old, but if she yelled at me across a parade square, I'd probably still like do whatever she fucking told me because I was afraid of her. Um, HMC Esquadra, they had this motto and it was, uh, your best is our minimum effort and, or our minimum standard. And, uh, you know, so I'm part of the, this alumni and, uh, I know they changed the rules and there was cuts and I think gunnery, um, went from 12 weeks to, to six weeks or to eight weeks, then to six weeks when I took it. And now I don't even know what the, how small of a time it would be. Um, Anyway, my dad used to get mad at me because I would call home because I was so homesick. And at that time, we didn't have what these young kids have today where you could like call across Canada for 20 bucks a month. Oh, so he was mad at me because I kept uh, the phone bill going up by calling collect and uh, they didn't give you allowance for that. So uh, they did pay you to go to uh, cadet camp, but what they paid you didn't even pay for like my deodorant or, you know, pads or anything like that. Right. So I didn't really get a lot of, you know, bling or anything like that. Cause I just never had any money back in those days. So anyway, drill matters to me. Um, it has mattered to me for a long time. So that's why when I got invited to the Calgary police ceremony, uh, four years ago, I took it very seriously and I still do. And this Friday I was lucky enough to be, uh, honored to go to their graduation ceremony for the class of 240 and um, you know it, it's it's in uh, for the first time back at Mawada Armories for two years so that has been very nice I'll tell you um, but and, and I got to share this with folks because it's kind of a big deal uh, I wasn't in the agenda um, but I, I was told beforehand I was going to be singing in front of the crowd which was new and lovely for me I know previously they had like the turning robe uh drum men they would come and they would sing uh so it was a real honor for me to be able to uh sing there as well and I think they probably did a bit of a shift there only because of the national inquiry so it's an honor for me to be there and I sincerely mean it when I say congratulations to the uh, class of 240 uh to me I know how hard it is to work for freaking six weeks and then you know have to then finally in, in their case much longer I think they said 27 weeks in some cases longer and um you know and my husband and I have talked repeatedly about how that isn't again that is like a minimum standard it should be far more and I couldn't agree more if you follow me on social media you know that um I think it's wrong how much how much lack of resources there are for um you know training etc etc regardless um some very interesting things happened while i was there and you know i've had probably three weeks of a lot of microaggressions and i'm just shocked at what people think is still acceptable to say uh, you know like a racist comment with a smile um really shocking to me that people think it's okay so you know just as you know to not touch a woman's black hair so if you came across a black woman, you just don't go up in there, touch her hair. But yet this is an everyday occurrence for a lot of black people. Well, you know, it's funny because I know a lot of people have a media, Hollywood media stereotype of what natives have to look like. And so they'll say to me, you don't even look native. And that cracks me up because when I'm in my ribbon skirt and I have my drum, 
and I have um, some of my beads on, I'm native enough that people want to come up and touch me. So I wanted to give a shout out to my drum. Now, a lot of folks may not know this, but we actually really honor our drums. Um, I've had uh, two main Cree instructors and uh, one of the Cree instructors taught me to, to hit this drum the way you would hit your mother, which means you would never hit your mother, you just hit her soft. But you also sing to her because this has spirit. And uh, a lot of, uh, actually uh, one of the turning robes uh, had talked about uh, covering your drum because it has spirit in it. So I actually just took it out of my drum bag just to show it because it's really relevant to what happened while I was there. Um, so for folks who have ever been in the military in any capacity know, the off-limit area is the officer's mess. And I've been there, uh, you know, prior to COVID when we were allowed to be up there, I, I had been up there. So I was up there and a woman came up to me and she wanted to touch my um, flames, Calgary Flames medallion without, I, I didn't even know who this woman was, but the way I had my drum and my stick situated, I think it was more like this. She walked right into my drum and my stick. And I was really offended that she thought it was okay to come up and not introduce herself and then think it was okay to touch me and then go into my drum and my stick. I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I, I actually, I'm very conservative. And this is like totally, if you ever want to talk about hypocrisy, a, a pearl clutching moment for me where I'm like, how rude, like who does that? I, I couldn't believe it. So um, I just wanted to thank my drum publicly for, um, obviously protecting me in a way that I needed protecting from somebody and obviously I was meant to tell you all it is not okay to go touch people it's not okay to touch indigenous people especially because of all of the awful things that have been done to us and and especially physically done to us it's also not okay to go touch somebody's uh, regalia or beating without their permission it's certainly not okay to touch somebody's drum and it's just like colonial standard to introduce yourself. So I'm just really shocked I have to say this, but I, I obviously do. And I have to remind people that, um, you know, this is the level of violence that Indigenous women face, that it is perfectly acceptable for a complete stranger to objectify her and touch her and touch her things without consent. Um, ironically, the Calgary Flames medallion that I had, I actually bought from Tantu Cardinal. Uh, she had donated it to Walking With Our Sisters here in Calgary as a fundraiser for, for Walking With Our Sisters, which was exactly to honor missing and murdered Indigenous women. So it's just so wild to me how sometimes these like full circle moments happened all at once, but here it is. So back to uh, drill. You know, the MC was absolutely lovely. She kept reaching out to me uh, prior to it and during and then after to make sure I was happy with everything. Um, I did share some pictures of their land acknowledgement and the meaning of the land acknowledgement as said by Cindy Provo, who is a Bakani Nation member, Blackfoot Confederacy and former police officer for decades. <laughs> so it, it's, mattered to me that they included her in the agenda and especially over me because frankly she is somebody that should be honored all the time and especially when talking about indigenous inclusion because 
she was the one who um, did the background work for the camp that they had to try to teach um, cops that were interested. It wasn't mandatory at the time, which was the only problem. She was the one who did all of the work for protocol when it came to the TP. Uh, she did all of the work for teaching about the symbols that are on there. And she's literally the inspiration to why I put my land acknowledgement on my arm. She is the one who taught the Calgary police that you always sleep in your teepee. The RCMP still don't and their teepee gets stolen because that's protocol in Blackfoot territory and they don't like it. And it upsets all the Cree uh, RCMP, but it is what it is when you're in Blackfoot territory, the, them's the rules. So <laughs> these are protocols and they matter. So I have to know all the indigenous protocols and I have to know all colonial ones. Ironically, I was taught them under no duress at all. I willingly went to HMCS Quadra for two week training, um, junior leadership, and then gunnery instructor. I originally went for um, Bozen, but uh, somebody dropped out of gunnery instructor. So I was lucky enough to get in there while I was there. Any, anyway, anyway, why does this matter? Because on the parade square, there are rules. <laughs> there are rules you follow. And uh, I found it very interesting because my city councillor, who had blocked me on Twitter for having the audacity to call him out on the 231 calls to justice when it comes to the national inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women, he was there. He had the audacity to come over to say hi when he obviously didn't remember how poorly he has treated me in the past. But it doesn't matter to him because I'm just an Indigenous woman he can constantly ignore, right? Um, ironically, I tried really hard to be kind to him when I ran municipally because he was running for the mayor. So of course I wanted to respect him because my hope was I would become a colleague of his. And of course he didn't even come close. And um, I, uh, you know, did, I didn't come close either. So, you know, we have to continue to coexist, but he just blocked me on Twitter. So obviously this is a man that's not going to understand me or my issues anytime in my lifetime. And um, it's disappointing because I'm co-chair for Missing Emerging Indigenous Women here in Calgary, and he's just perfectly okay with ignoring me, as is the mayor, frankly. Uh, so the mayor was a counselor at no point in time in those four years did she ever reach out to me. Um, and now that she's mayor, I have actually reached out to her office repeatedly and still have been unable to meet with her. Um, you know, and, and it, it's really offensive when we're at ceremony and like, this is our time to meet. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> when I request a meeting for you in your office, it's so that we can have a conversation that's not taking away from the ceremony that we're at. Um, but again, you know, this is because we don't have Indigenous education for anyone in this country. So it's completely like overlooked. Um, but yet, ironically, if it was the other way, and I was offensive to the Queen, offensive to uh, drill military in any way, shape or form, you know, obviously people would would, you know, say something. So that's why I did when we were at the parade square. And, and this is relevant too because of the black, the back, the blue con concept and this thin blue line patch that we've been fighting to get taken off of their uniforms um, because it's rooted in racism. It's rooted in the Confederate flag. It's rooted in hate. And it, for some reason, Canadians thought, oh, we'll just adopt this and put a Canadian flag on it. And it, it is so offensive. So 
anyway, um, the reason why I bring this up is that there's protocol at every graduation ceremony for the Calgary Police. And that protocol is to do uh, two marches, uh, two, two marches by the crowd. The first march is a slow march. What does that mean? That means that they don't march like the way you would normally see people march. It's a really slow march. And the MC very specifically said it's to honor the fallen. So it's a somber march. And I've always known that because also marches are somber, but you would obviously have to have training in order to know that, which apparently our city councillors do not have. Um, so my stupid councillor started uh, whooping and whopping, like, woo, woo, during the slow march. So I stopped him and I said, no, this one is to honor the fallen. And because he's an arrogant SOB, all he cared about was that I had the audacity. So he's like, well, I guess I've been doing it wrong for 13 years. And I said, yes, I guess you have. So the second time they went around, that was when I said, okay, now we can cheer for them and I will join you with the drum. And you could tell by that he was so offended that I had the audacity, right? So we, uh, you know, when, um, they, when they came by the second time, of course, we cheered for them because that was the celebration as instructed by the master of ceremonies in the quick march. So I just found it so ironic because he still doesn't understand his position of power. He still thinks it's okay to talk down to an Indigenous woman. He still thinks he knows ceremony when he didn't. I've been there for four years. I have not seen him. So he's actually lying about how many years he's been watching it anyway. So, you know, like all of these things are adding up to me that I'm like, you know, we're having a serious conversation in the city about this thin blue line patch. And this guy who, you know, police and other uh, conservatives would think, oh yes, yes, he's totally on our side. Ha, 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 ha. He's the guy we can go to and, and expect him to back us. The guy can't even follow simple instructions at the police ceremony. And I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand why he gets away with these free passes all the time. And if I make a small, tiny mistake, it would be magnified to the nth degree. You know, like it, it's constant. I can't even believe it. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's unacceptable. And it, it's, it's relevant to this conversation about really paying attention about what is being done to honor the police. Because you can look outside, there are blue ribbons everywhere to honor um, this fellow named Josh who died at not this New Year's Eve, but the New Year's Eve before. And, um, you know, that we still, they had a celebration. Uh, so May 5th was Red Dress Day. They just had a celebration in the exact same place uh, to honor the police. So it is shocking to me that anybody would say that the police aren't honored. They're honored at minimum every graduation ceremony. Um, I know I've been at West Winds and I've seen the um, dedication to those who have died. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like they're not being honored. So um, it was very relevant for our so-called city councillors who were supposed to represent us. And it's insulting. I know two Indigenous folks who, uh, both served in the military and I told them this story, both obviously very offended because they understand military protocol. And, um, you know, this is still where we're at. It's 2022 and my limited uh, teachings of drill and such back in 1992, still relevant to today in 2022 and still a reflection of how poor a lot of city 
counselors still understand the gravity of military protocol, their own colonial protocols. And here's some, you know, native girls walking in here <laughs> with her drum. And uh, oh, yeah, so uh, I was going to talk a little bit about microaggressions with that racist smile. You know, um, to make it very clear, my drum, it's not a performance. And I've had this said to me numerous times and now by a new city councillor. Um, when I come with my drum, I don't come to perform. I am not a performer. I use my drum as a prayer. It was explained again by the Master of Ceremonies quite well. Uh, we had worked on how to explain it uh, the day before. But obviously you weren't listening. You were too busy texting your friend uh, Chandler about uh, stakes and the hockey game that was coming up. So, you know, you probably missed it. Um, but again, this is what we're talking about with unconscious bias for folks willing to understand and learn, um, you know, how you can dismiss somebody based off of the color of their skin. Uh, in my case, the color of my skin, my ribbon skirt, my beads, you know, um, it's really problematic. We really need to start seeing Indigenous people as equals and seeing our regalia and our ceremonial pieces as um, as revered as I would say the band um, staff that uh, you use, like it, it's a pole and they flip it and there's protocol how they flip it. But, you know, that mast is, is um, respected. And I don't go up to somebody holding a ceremonial rifle and just grab it and touch them. Um, even during the walkthrough with the police chief and with the uh, commissioner, you know, they're, they're not touching people. So it, it's incredible to me that people think it's okay to touch people, it's okay to give snide remarks, it's okay to assume performance from Indigenous people when our, our drums are our prayers. And it's just so um, unbelievable to me in 2022, this is still not understood, but it also goes to show Truth and Reconciliation Commission call to action 57 is not being implemented, especially at the top municipal level here in the city. And that's not from a lack of trying. I know uh, the staff there have done as much work as they possibly can to create these opportunities. And it is just not being understood, heard, or cared about. And that's what unconscious bias is. And that's where these microaggressions come from. Another one was this. Um, this lady had the audacity to try to say to me, oh, well, that Justin Trudeau needs to do more on reconciliation. <laughs> and then she was told me the White Goose Fine Report was sitting on her desk and she has never read it. So you can imagine how that sat not well. And then I've had another, that, actually i think it was the same person who said to me well i was really sad to see maryland not get municipal and uh so i you know pushed her endorse her donate to her volunteer for her you know it's action it's not uh oh i'm just gonna hope but if you told me you didn't like justin trudeau i'm highly suspect of um, you know your intention of voting for her or caring for her in any way so you know it, it's just that lie that we get told as Indigenous people with that racist smile, we know we're being lied to and your energy tells me so. So it's really sad, it's really pathetic, but it's 2022 and it's the reality. Um, yeah, I have so much more I'd like to say about the land acknowledgement teachings I had done earlier that week. 
Um, I was lucky enough to do one for Corey Ashley. He's a guest that's been on here, a returning guest. I'm hoping to get him on here shortly. He has a, a protest coming up here on Thursday if you're in the Edmonton area. I have been sharing it. Please go to it if you have the opportunity because you're not just supporting him, you're supporting Ashley in spirit or Lillian, uh, Lillian Ashley in spirit, you know, um, and, and her band and, and there will be drums there. There will be lots of folks. So if you can come in your regalia and show a solid front, that would be absolutely lovely. Uh, he's been getting some good support up there, which is good. So uh, some other things I want to talk about. <laughs> Camilla and Charles had the audacity to go to Yellowknife. Last time they came to Canada, they were laughing at Inuit throat singers. So I put out the tweet, oh, I wonder what racist thing they're going to do today. And it turned out they couldn't pronounce Dene. And, uh, and the other thing is, is that Prince Charles is on this new mission to talk about the importance of climate change, which is the most hypocritical bullshit I've ever heard, because it's literally colonialism that has caused climate change. Literally him and his family have literally caused this global crisis. Um, you know, the Dominion of Canada's ownership now becoming Canada, this is literally what has led to it. Them coming here, ripping down all of our trees so that they can farm it and so that they can expand their cities and continue with all of these communities and these cities. What do you think is causing or, um, climate change? This colonialism. And Canadians still don't get it. They're still like, oh, but I have a realtor friend. And they don't see how it's the small peg in the wheel causing these issues. And this is no different if we want to talk about hip hypocrisy. Um, me not seeing my role as a drafter of wells and pipelines, how that directly impacted being a part of the land surveyor um, world, how that directly impacts folks like uh, Canagus Manuel and any other Indigenous nation that didn't really consent to have a right of way go through their land. Um, you know, and, and then it's back to that, well, how are we going to solve this? Well, on drip is the answer. But because that gives ownership back to Indigenous people, people are too afraid of that. And here's what people don't understand about the land back movement. If 90% of the land is crown land, like why? Why is that when we have treaty? Why isn't it controlled through Indigenous hands first? You all know why, I know why. It's because, oh my God, what if the corporations actually had to pay equally or had to pay like a real tax or had to give some profits to indigenous people? Oh my God, all of the humanity, we could never have that, could we? And that's the problem. Um, people need to see past their egos and they can't. So, and I just don't know if we're gonna stop this train, but it is really clear that the solutions have been there and folks still don't wanna talk about that. Oh, I watched um, uh, Downtown Abbey, and I know many of you went, downtown. and I'm just going to point out, if you thought that or did that, you're a colonizer. <laughs> How ironic, you beat the shit out of me and my families, my ancestors, in order to say, um, Downtown Abbey, you forced us to learn your stupid uh, English language. You're damn right, I'm going to say Downtown Abbey every time. Downtown Abbey, Downtown Abbey. Because again, this is the point is you should be learning Satudene in, in our lands. You should be learning Blackfoot in Calgary, and you're not. You're imposing your stupid language and practice and culture here. 
and it's a fictional stupid story and I, I don't even not understand why people like it because it depicts lords and ladies in such a positive way and they, these are awful awful racist pricks like awful these are the reason why we have a dominion of canada that evolved into a country so-called country you know the idea that any of you would even side on a lord or a lady as like you know the owner of land this is the problem but conversely take that and instead of it being a lord or a lady look at it as an indigenous nation in charge of that land for some reason that is so disrespectful why because you're racist so i really want you to unpack a lot of that <sighs> today's actually another really important day to discuss um a year ago today there was the 213 graves that were found or 215 that really caused that um Langevin name change to get going because calgary board of education was shamed into it which is why they could do more sooner, but they just choose not to now. Now uh, they guise it in committees so that they can look like they tried to do the best they could for the Conservative Party, whether provincially or federally. Um, you know, it, and it's really important that you understand the gravity of what today is. For whatever reason, they ignored the TRC in 2015 and when i say they i mean all of canada and every person public servant in a position of power apparently did um but why is that relevant also is that you know you exposed yourself to not reading those 94 calls to action literally had someone on friday expose that to them to me they tried to justify it by saying oh i watch global news and at the end of every news segment they say a call to action there was like what 84 or something i'm like no um so it's really important to me that people really read those and understand the gravity and frankly there are volumes of books so you should have read all of the volumes of books it's 2022 i don't know what the excuse was you had a full year now that you've known that these graves were there anyway um every order of government has and every single canadian has a role to play in reconciliation land acknowledgements of course are start of it uh but there's the 94 calls to action would I have wanted more done sooner by the federal government? Absolutely. I just have not seen anyone do more. Like the bar is so low that folks don't see their own position of power in this. Um, every single Canadian needs to do more and expect more locally, municipally, provincially, federally, and through any community work that you do. Um, and you know, because I'm in Calgary, people make fun of Trudeau and they haven't even read the TRC. So it's a tool against Trudeau by hypocrites that vote in folks like Jason Kenney or Stephen Harper. So I just really want folks to um, understand how offensive it is to pretend Trudeau is the only person who has a role to do in this. And frankly, he is. Today, he's in Kamloops at the uh, anniversary of the, the discovery, rediscovery, I should say. Um, so he's trying. Um, the Conservative Party prior to the Liberal Party in 2015, they didn't even have like a spreadsheet telling people how many um, reserves didn't have clean drinking water, as opposed to this new one. Um, but that said, Pam Palmater, uh, she has a really great uh, resource to kind of say, had the Liberal Party invested X amount of dollars, we could have solved this problem sooner. So 
um, yeah, I never want to absolve Trudeau and the team I'm a part of. I'm like guilty by association of not doing more because it's we could have a hundred percent could have. Uh, but that bigger picture, there's no drive because the Canadian pub public are like, I haven't even read 94 calls to action, let alone voted for a provincial or municipal person that had a clue what I'm talking about, right? So it's really important people see how like wild this is. Um, so I wanted to uh, talk about Cindy Blackstock, the wonderful, wonderful Cindy Blackstock, for those who don't know who she is. She is the director of, um, oh shoot, First Nation, it's a First Nation Child Advocacy Group. Uh, she, she runs Spirit Bear, which is a part of that. And basically she took the Canadian government to court over the lack of dollar to dollar funding when it came to child welfare. And this human rights tribunal like went over 10 years. She was spied upon by uh, both Harper and Trudeau over the work that she's been doing. So anyway, she, she was the one really marked this anniversary of um, the discovery in Kanloops, rediscovery of, of Kanloops in such a good way. And she also reminded all of us, myself included, that today is also the 100th anniversary of Dr. Bryson's report, A National Crime. So 100 years ago, there was this doctor who had looked at the residential schools and said, oh my God, like this is killing people. We have to do something immediately. And he wrote a report. The Canadian public, the Canadian politicians, the British politicians, I should call them, and the um, even the doctors association went after him and discredited him. But his report is solid and it's still available. I don't know where to get it. I'd love a copy of it. But um, anyway, it was Cindy Blackstock who posted an eight minute YouTube video. Um, I did reshare it and I'm going to see if I can get it included in the resources here. And anyway, she also shared uh, Yellowhead Institute's report about the uh, amount of Indian residential schools that still have to be, you know, scanned for um, unmarked and missing graves. So uh, really important stuff. And lastly, I just want to remind folks about our book clubs coming up. So if you missed it, we had in May the first two chapters of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women National Inquiry Report. Uh, the June 13th is going to be uh, Indian in the Cabinet by Jody Wilson Rainbow. Uh, July 11th will be chapters three and four of the inquiry. Uh, August 8th, Unreconciled by Jesse Wente. And September 12th will be chapters uh, five and six of the National Inquiry. October 10th will be Res Rules by uh, Clarence Louie. November 14th, National Inquiry, chapter seven and eight. And then uh, December 12th will be Standoff by Bruce McIver. So um, really hope you can join us. If not, I hope you consider at least uh, watching the book club on the podcast. And then lastly, if you're in the Calgary area, I really encourage you to join the Reconciliation Action Group. Uh, the more people, the better. It's a lot of work for very few people. And I, um, I think after, you know, this amount of time, people should be doing more and we're working on it together. So it's not a settler initiated idea. It's uh, respecting the reconciliation uh, framework, Indigenous led and please join us. And if you're not in the Calgary area, every single church, um, 
any club, everything should have a reconciliation committee. So if you don't have one at your work, if you don't have one at your nonprofit or your, you know, a public servant, like you really should be starting these types of initiatives because you have to educate yourselves on the issues. You have to educate yourself on how to move forward. You have to create relationships with Indigenous in your area. You have to do work, actual action on reconciliation. That's why they're called the calls to action. So I implore you to do that work. Um, a really important anniversary is coming up and it'll be the anniversary of the inquiry report release. And unfortunately, we just don't see calls to action plans when it comes to this. And um, I, I'm asking folks, you know, whether you're, you know, community association, your um, municipal councillors, mayor, your provincial MLAs, your federal MPs, what have they done for a plan for missing and murdered Indigenous women? What have they done for a plan when it comes to reconciliation? And again, if you're a conservative, you better be looking really hard at your policies because they're really shitty and they're not anywhere in reconciliation. So please start pushing yourselves in these parties and, and pushing for this. Uh, lastly, I just wanted to point out that um, Naomi Sayers is running in the Ontario election. And I know I have lots of folks in Ontario listening. So if you're in the Sault Ste. Marie riding, um, you can go to meetnaomi.com. But also I encourage you to talk to folks that might live in that riding, tell them about her, get them to vote for her. If you're on, in Ontario, you can donate to her. So these are important things that you can do as a point of reconciliation as well, because Indigenous people need to be at these tables. I'm proud of this podcast, Giving Solutions, Cultural Safety Training, Cultural First Aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of colour, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca where you can find what is Indigenous cultural safety and why you should care about it. Their work are those cultural action tools I've said over a hundred times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work like that as part of your work on reconciliation and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism and power dynamics imposed on these lands. You can go to racialequitytools.org. <clears throat> There's a great piece in their resource files of what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. So basically, if you are a part of a marginalized group, it is really important for you to understand how you can cause harm within your community. So for example, like let's look at LGBTQ2+. We had a lot of white males um, being really harmful to the lesbian or the dyke community. Um, a lot of white LGBTQ plus harmful to people of color that identify as queer. Um, and now me, I am cis and straight, right? So I have a level of privilege that folks who identify as LGBTQ plus don't. I'm able-bodied, so sometimes I'm blind on issues of disability. And um, these are really important dynamics to understand. And this is where a lot of internalized racism can occur too, where you actually have a lot of self-hate and 
you may pro be projecting it on your own community as a result. So, you know, find resources and support um, on top of that. <sighs> Moving on, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So if you go to AFSC.org, you can find do's and don'ts on bystander intervention. So this is the type of information you would want to know when it comes to like seeing a Muslim woman on the sea train being harassed. It's really important folks understand that. Um, Indigenous have been talking about these issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus if they are cutting violence prevention programs, services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities. Now that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples that came out in 1996. The multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting, where people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational health justice institutions with multiple reports that say this. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. They do not understand fucking anything when it comes to colonial procedures, colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism. They literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Great article I said out loud is uh, Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. You can find this if you just Google how to be an ally, you will find so much information. If you're experiencing emotional, emotional distress after anything uh, you heard today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3314. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They also have a website at hopeforwellness.ca. It has a small text option. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is national and toll free and provided for anyone who requires emotional assistance relating to that topic. For non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area, usually a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. Uh, for 60 Scoop survivors, there's actually a society here in Alberta you can find at ssisa.ca. And if you see or experience racism, report it to Act to End Racism. And you can actually even text them at 587-507-3838. And if you see, just make sure you contact them. It actually gives you the step-by-step. -step. I recorded something the other day that had these brass knuckles in the middle of Chinatown. This is ironic. You guys are all going to love this. So apparently, um, folks who call them Antifa use this symbol to try to stop hate. But they're in the middle of Chinatown where people don't even necessarily speak English are on the receiving end of hate because of COVID-19 and thought it was somehow appropriate to put a brass knuckles um, sticker on there that had the word white in it 
And then they got mad at me for, you know, mixing it up with white supremacy. And I'm like, literally, you guys don't even recognize sometimes your own messages promote white supremacy. But again, we're not doing outreach. I wonder if they put those stickers up after talking to anyone in the Asian community because they were messaging me saying they supported what I did. While these white people are like, oh my God, you, if you would have Googled it, you would have known. <laughs> you still don't understand your privilege, do you? really important you start to get to know and understand the people in your community because I have done work with the Chinese community and they would not have appreciated it and I have private messages to prove it. Anyway, uh, if you're following that, uh, two LGBTQ2S uh, crisis supports, they are available across most areas of Canada. Uh, these will give you nationwide options of who to call, websites you can visit, and videos that you can watch if you need someone to talk to or are in crisis. And you can go to lifevoice.ca crisis supports. Uh, Trans Lifeline in Canada is 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project for LGBTQ2 plus youth is 866-844-7386. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. I can't believe I, in the last few hours somebody tried to touch me. Um, anyway, it is self-care. It is how I take my power back by starting this podcast and speaking freely without interruption, without tone police, explaining how microaggressions are racist. You know, all of these things I've told you repeatedly in my um, podcast. I've done books about the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. And I share information on microaggressions daily, so it's just unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Learn about oppression dynamics. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism or gatekeeping that survives off the status quo and people who are in their trauma and stop people from doing the work and depleting personal resources internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me and indigenous folks with disabilities LG, or qt bipoc and others i want to say masi uh, cho to my ancestors to my granny my mom was strength, what strength looks like through your example thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt and apparently colonial uh, my stepmom for teaching me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Just through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. Go Flames, go. Uh, thank you to Darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, childhood friend, father of our child and support down my red road journey. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And it was actually him that was really great at just being flabbergasted that somebody would actually come up and try to touch me. Um, and to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of me trying to discuss these issues in a way that they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. By the way, I got some beautiful thank you gifts 
from Kat at settlerbookclub.com. Uh, I might be .ca. Either way, you know, that, that's another resource for folks. And also, I got some feedback from the States. They're actually going to order Marcy McDonald's uh, Road to Armageddon, just so that they can understand how conservatives operate in both Canada and the States from some of my previous episodes. So thank you for that feedback. It means a great deal to read that. Oh, and locally, I've had a you know, a few folks in the harm reduction community really be ridiculously kind and positive to me. So I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, solidarity as I go through this Narcan issue. And, uh, you know, I, again, folks give Narcan. Naloxone is so cumbersome. Um, if you're a First Nation, you have access to uh, Narcan a day and the Bear Clan could really use that. So please, please use that if you can. Uh, you can also just send in comments or questions at nativeyyc uh, at gmail.com. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side-eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond for you to be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, folks. I always appreciate it.